You're listening to the Doheny Podcast Network. The Doheny Eye Institute, working for all to see. Your host is Jody Becker. In this special episode of the Doheny Podcast, I'm happy to have two esteemed guests, Doheny's own Dr. Alex Wang and his colleague from London, President of the European Glaucoma Society, Dr. David Garway-Heath. Both Dr. Wang and Dr. Garway-Heath will be at the upcoming Doheny UCLA International Glaucoma Symposium here in Los Angeles in mid-November. And ahead of that gathering, our conversation will discuss innovations, ideas, and enthusiasm that each will bring to the conference. Dr. Garway-Heath is one of the most influential ophthalmologists in the world, as noted by Ophthalmologist Magazine, and he will be the distinguished guest lecturer in Los Angeles next month. Dr. Garway-Heath is a professor at the University College of London Institute on Ophthalmology, where he is the International Glaucoma Association Chaired Professor, and he is affiliated with Moorfields Eye Hospital in London. In addition to his clinical work and research, he has published over 200 scientific papers. The Garway-Heath map, used by eye doctors all over the world, was developed by their guest, Dr. Huang, a beloved Doheny glaucoma expert and microgravity dabbler, named by Ophthalmologist Magazine as a number one rising star, is our frequent Doheny podcast guest, and we are delighted to have you back. So let's start with Dr. Garwehi's longstanding connection to UCLA. Dr. Wang, maybe you can briefly explain that by way of a less formal introduction, and then Dr. Garwehi, you can pick up the story. Well, you know, thank you, Jody, for having us on the podcast again, and thank you for, you know, help promoting the International Glaucoma Symposium that's coming up. This is our third iteration now. This time, it's our uh, great pleasure to, you know, invite Dr. Garway Heath from England to come speak with us. That decision was made in part because of the amazing work that he's done, in addition to the fact that, you know, he had trained before at UCLA, uh, and so that we have that link uh, both clinically and scientifically. You know, as I understand, uh, he had formerly done uh, research and clinical work uh, with UCLA Stein Eye Institute. And, uh, you know, I'll leave it up to him to, you know, uh, talk about his experiences and how that shaped him and, and you know, what, he, what he, uh, he added to the university as well. Sure. Well, first of all, I'm uh, delighted to be joining you, and it's a, it's a real privilege to be invited to be your guest. Uh, I was um, at UCLA um, a rather frighteningly long time ago now, so 99-2000, when I came to do a, a fellowship with Joe Caprioli, and that was uh, principally the time that I developed some of the thinking around structure-function relationships in glaucoma, and was, I was working on the structure-function map while, while I was there. So I had a really terrific time under Joe Caprioli's tutelage. So he I regard as a, a real mentor for um, the work that I've been doing since then, along with obviously Roger Hitchens, who was my mentor back in the UK. In fact, I think there's a, an additional link between uh, us at Moorfields and Dr. Wang. So uh, I believe that you did some uh, research early on with James Tan, and uh, James was the research fellow that followed on from me when I did my uh, PhD work at Moorfields about 20 years ago now. So we've got a, a, a double link, if you like, there. So Dr. Garway-Heath, uh, you are now serving as the president of the European Glaucoma Society. Can you talk about the scope of work of the society and how you are intersecting with colleagues like Dr. Wang? Yeah, sure. So the EGS is a, an organization which covers the geographical boundaries of Europe, and its vision is to promote the best possible well-being and minimal glaucoma-induced visual disability in individuals with glaucoma. 
um, and that's within an affordable healthcare system. The EGS is divided into four themes to achieve the vision. The first of these is innovation, and that seeks to promote scientific collaborations across Europe. Then we have an education theme, which promotes evidence-based practice and lifelong learning. The third theme is communication, which seeks to communicate the importance of glaucoma and the EGS vision, mission, and, mission and actions. And then we have an implementation theme, which is responsible for the production of the European Glaucoma Society Glaucoma Guidelines, and also establishing outcome measurements to benchmark care quality across different healthcare systems. The uh, education theme also is, uh, has responsibility for organizing our biennial congress, which is a, a mixture of plenary didactic sessions and educational courses. And uh, our meeting this year in Florence had almost 2,800 registrants from 87 countries around the world. And in between the biennial congress, we have a members meeting which addresses particular topics and challenges. So last year, we had a, a consensus meeting around the definition of glaucoma for use in guidelines around the world and also a consensus around outcomes of practice which should be recorded routinely to measure care quality. And the uh, American Glaucoma Society was represented at that meeting and contributed to the consensus development. So I'm curious also about, I know one of the conversations that's constant here in the States is about how the rapidly advancing acceleration of technology is changing clinical practice and also research. Can you talk a little bit about that in the European context? Yeah, sure. It's a great question. And in fact, it's the topic of um, next year's uh, members meeting, which we'll be holding um, in Bordeaux at the end of August. And in fact, that meeting will be a joint meeting between the European Glaucoma Society and the American Glaucoma Society. Um, and at that meeting, we'll be considering how new diagnostic technologies are providing insights into the pathogenetic mechanisms of glaucoma. In addition to that, we'll be discussing how artificial intelligence will be re revolutionizing um, our approaches to research and also clinical care delivery. The uh, advances in technology are going to enable uh, new modes of care delivery. So several countries in Europe already have what we call virtual clinics where patients are tested in one environment and the test results are reviewed remotely. Um, and this semi-automization, I think, will lead to further automization of aspects of care. And a real challenge in the future is going to be to define outcomes of care to capture the safety and quality of these new technology-based approaches to delivering care. And I think uh, technology also impacts on uh, how we deliver education and training. So at the EGS, for instance, we're developing a, a digital platform for education, as many other organizations are. Um, and as a side effect of that, I, I think hopefully there'll be a positive environmental impact. It's interesting hearing you talk about outcomes. I'm wondering how patient needs and care are changing around the way the work is done. Can you talk a little bit about that? So, I mean, patients in general are becoming more informed about their condition and the various options that there are for treatment. So one of, one of the issues that we have is that our pathways for communicating these advances to patients has lagged behind somewhat. At the EGS Congress in Florence this year, we established a new committee, which is a, a patient support committee, 
with uh, the remit to facilitate the development of a network of patient organizations across Europe, uh, patient support organizations. At the moment, some countries have very well-developed patient support organizations, and some countries have none at all. And so we're hoping that in setting up the network, um, best practice in the support organization structure will be shared, and that will improve the channels of communication between patients and physicians and patients and the EGS so that patients can actually influence the priorities of, of the society. You know, what, what Dr. Garwood Heath is talking about is really embodies a spirit and highlights, you know, why we have meetings like this. I mean, glaucoma ends up being a real international uh, entity, much bigger than there's just the one word. Uh, and that's true for many reasons. I mean, uh, first of all, just, you know, it's not a single disease. You can describe glaucoma as kind of a brand, if you will, like a brand of car, like Toyota. And, and in there, there are many different subtypes, and there are subtypes of diseases that hit different people from different parts of the world in different ways. So first of all, the disease differs a little bit, you know, where you live and what your background is. Secondly, you know, the delivery system of how we execute the care naturally, you know, differs based on the rules and regulations of your local environment. And, and you know, how is it, can you, uh, how can you leverage that, you know, to take care of the most number of people? And what that leads to is the idea that, you know, glaucoma is a international collaboration on the on the clinical and the and the scientific side i mean um you see this in you know dr garway Heath's work you see this in in the in the international meetings that you know we put together where we either you know uh speak at each other those meetings are you know on a, on a more international stage with associations like the world glaucoma association and so uh, there's a lot to tackle and you know i'm so glad that you know he's here to talk about these things because this is exactly why you know we we put these meetings together to, to hear about how things are done differently elsewhere, what the challenges are, and then to try to maybe learn from the, uh, the different things that they pick up to leverage it even locally. So, Dr. Wang, you mentioned that this is the third iteration of the Doheny UCLA Glaucoma Symposium. Can you talk a little bit about why the in-person matters so much, especially in an era when there are so many ways to communicate via the Internet and Skype calls, for example. What have you learned in the three years about why starting this gathering has been important for research? In person absolutely matters. I mean, you know, even from silly uh, uh, components of how you actually run the meeting uh, to drive uh, as much interaction as possible, yet still balance being able to get through the content, interaction helps. And, and it's not even just there on the stage, but what happens then is the, the conversations that happen behind the scenes, between the sessions and the breaks during the meals, um, to, you know, then try to, you know, leverage our own personal interests and take advantage of each other's expertise to drive you know, new questions and, and potential new research collaborations. This is between the community, between the clinicians, between the speakers, but also we can't also forget uh, industry as well because, you know, industry obviously plays a role in supporting these types of meetings and also becomes part of the conversation. We've always been very open to industry, for instance, being there to learn, to be part, to ask questions, and to then further, you know, continue the conversations in the outside space as well. You know, it, nothing would be more satisfying to me than to see Dr. Garway Heath come, uh, meet an industry member, maybe that he wasn't actually uh, very familiar with, and to strike up a conversation that can lead to new discovery, right? I mean, that would be a real great uh, endpoint uh, for, uh, for a meeting like this. And I know that uh, relationships are very foundational to the values of Doheny. Uh, so I'm wondering if both of you can talk a little bit to how these meetings and gatherings and the work that you do 
each on your own continent and with your colleagues helps with commitments and relationships to peer institutions in less developed countries. Maybe Dr. Garway Heath, you can talk a little bit from the European perspective first. So the, I'll give as, as an example the Congress that we had in um, Florence in, in May of this year. Uh, there were 87 different countries represented at the meeting with patients coming from Southeast Asia, coming from Africa, from the Sudan. And it's, as Dr. Wang said, a real opportunity for individuals to come face to face with people practicing as glaucoma specialists in a different part of the world to understand how care is given in different parts of the world, get to speak to the lecturers at the meeting, um, and just generally network. So um, our meetings, like by the sounds at the Doheny meeting, have quite a strong element concentrating on perhaps you call it the social program, but it's really the networking program where people get an opportunity to talk to each other. Um, the EGS also um, contacts with um, developing economies in other ways. So we've had the EGS guidelines translated now into 12 different languages, including Arabic and, and Chinese. And we've got a committee within the uh, society which has a special remit for liaising and interacting with glaucoma societies from other parts of the world. And I suppose finally, we're a component society of the World Glaucoma Association, which also has a remit for uh, drawing together societies from around the world to share best practice. You would in no way envision today to say, for instance, that China is developing in uh, vision research and clinical ophthalmology care. Uh, they're very advanced now. But at one point, um, that wasn't necessarily the case. And, and so we're looking back many, many years now, you know, far before my time, um, back when, you know, Steve Ryan, you know, was the founder of Doheny as well as, you know, uh, one of, or basically our first president. And, and, and decades ago, if you will, uh, being based in Los Angeles, naturally, he looked for international partners and, you know, um, Asia is, is across the pond, if you will. And so, you know, Steve made a mission to build that relationship with China at that time uh, to help develop their clinical and research enterprises. This has obviously been very fruitful over the year through that relationship through uh, to Doheny to the point where there was even, I think this is, I don't know if it's available anymore or if it, uh, people were even aware of it, but there was actually a website run out of China that was called the Doheny China website that Doheny had nothing to do with, but that, you know, that, that was a forum on their end to um, discuss among all the partners with Doheny, uh, you know, the, the relationships and the potential projects that could be had. I mean, that was an old website. I, I'm curious if it's actually still even there. And so, you know, fast forward to today, um, you know, I was just talking to Dr. Garwa Heath before, you know, we started, but, you know, I'm actually heading to China tonight um, on a uh, glaucoma conference that uh, was an extension of uh, Dr. Ryan's old relationships to now Dr. Vasada, so our current president of Doheny, who has uh, relationships with many institutes there, uh, including uh, Qingdao uh, Eye Hospital, um, who's hosting their first international glaucoma symposium. And so, you know, we're very honored in that case, almost, you know, as a reciprocation to, you know, be there on their on their inaugural event. Um, so, um, 
that to me is an example, at least from the Doheny experience, where you know we're talking about over decades here, um, the the outreach to other countries and, and the relationship there to you know uh, early on develop in advanced clinical care and science has led to great fruition uh, in their ability to take care of patients as well as in our relationship. Yeah, I, could, I couldn't agree more. The, the world is getting smaller, and uh, likewise, uh, we at the Institute of Ophthalmology have very strong links with. Um, universities in China, um, particularly in data science, the capabilities in China are extraordinary. Um, And we have very fruitful ongoing collaborations that will only benefit all countries around the world. Yeah, the bottom line is that we all do things differently, either because of the nature of the disease, the types of patients, the ability to deliver care, and there's the opportunity to learn more um, about, you know, of course, the, the, the biological mechanism of the disease, but also, you know, to try to take advantage of how we do things differently to maybe improve things at home. I'm a, a associate advisory board member for WGA, for the World Glaucoma Association, and, and that brings together a lot of, uh, you know, younger faculty um, that are all kind of coming up on their careers. And, and then you really realize how global this whole thing is. You meet all of these people who are doing all this work that you really only see on a manuscript head that you really can't, you know, like put a face to, you know, talking to Jody about what you were saying about doing things to face to face. It really takes it to the next level when, when you can actually meet these people and, and talk about things uh, apart from the official scientific dialogue, if you will. And with the younger colleagues, I expect that you hear a lot of forward-looking ideas. And I'm just curious, maybe we can wrap up by talking a little bit about some of the innovation on the horizon that you're excited about. My personal interests uh, around clinical trial design, perimetry, imaging, um, and and tonometry, anything that gets at identifying the risk factors for uh, glaucoma worsening, Uh, as we've seen, the developments in imaging technology and in informatics and in genomics, genetics and genomics, over the last five years or so have been phenomenal. And these all all ultimately lead to personalized medicine. Uh, Our great challenge at the moment is to make sure that we record the data and organize it in in well-curated databases in such a way that we can leverage all this information so that we can address all these different subtypes of glaucoma that Dr. Wang was talking about. So when a patient walks in through the door, we can almost instantaneously detect what their risk is over time, which the best treatments are for that person. So I think uh, the, the future is really exciting in, in that respect. And technology will also help us deliver care more efficiently. So we'll have more of these virtual clinics, more data collection clinics, and more decision support in the electronic patient record. So the decision support will detect the, the risk that a patient has and the best treatments for that patient and suggest to the physician the best treatments for that patient. So I think... You know, going forward, the future is is very exciting. Yeah, I second that uh, with Dr. Uh, Garway Heath, and, and the reason is that um, as we've gotten to know the disease better and to take care of it better, uh, it's also become more complex. And and what I mean by that is, you know, you've got all the way from diagnosis to assessing progression to then treatment with either drugs or surgery. And in each of these individual categories, the options have expanded uh, almost exponentially. There's so many diagnostic tools now as opposed to before. Uh, there's so many ways of assessing progression. There's there's new drugs on the market in the United States just recently. 
And in the last, you know, say 10 to 15 years has been the explosion of, you know, uh, novel surgical devices. And, and as a part of that, while it's really good because you have so many more options, it, it does get more confusing because people then start asking, you know, what should you do here, here, or there? And, and, and the only way to really uh, attack that, at least at the top level, is to get organized. Um, to organize yourself about, you know, what you're talking about, organize yourself about um, what are the endpoints you care about and, you know, how do you study these individual pieces? And um, I, that has to really catch up to the options so that then you can kind of figure out, you know, which options goes with, you know, for instance, what patients. So really personalized medicine is, if you'll take a catchphrase from the, you know, U.S. National Institutes of Health is, you know, something that they want, you know, personalized medicine. And so um, a lot of the innovation can really be hit at every one of these categories with the new diagnostic imager or the newest drug and so forth. Um, but without being organized, it can just get confusing. And all of that information, obviously, as you say, adds a level of complexity, and it's interesting to hear doctors acknowledge that and talk about ways that that needs to be handled and addressed. Super interesting. Thank you very much. Dr. Alex Wang and Dr. Ted Garway-Heath, both will be here together in Los Angeles at the upcoming Doheny UCLA International Glaucoma Symposium in mid-November. Thanks so much for joining me. Not at all. Pleasure. Thank you very much. The Doheny Eye Institute, at the forefront in eradicating eye disease for nearly 70 years, is dedicated to providing state-of-the-art clinical services and supporting leading researchers in the quest for treatments that stabilize and improve the precious sense of sight. Doheny is now affiliated with UCLA Stein Eye Institute. For more information about our doctors and their innovative work in the quest for better vision, visit our website, doheny.org.